Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. episode of Podstroke, and I'm your host, Shrini Poo, and this is episode 358. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing on this uh, Thursday evening? Is it evening now? Is this, is this evening? This is evening, right? The fucking sun's setting, so pretty sure that counts as evening. Shortest day of the year today. I know. I hate it. Thanks. I hate it. But, uh, no, I'm doing all right. I... You know, I feel bad for Mitch. We'll talk about it, but I'm doing all right. Enjoying getting into the the holiday season. Yeah, getting the coquito going. Not yet, but I think this weekend I will officially gather the necessities for this ritual. (laughs) I'm sure everybody's really excited in your house. Um, All right, well, before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first thing the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strickland on Instagram, posting all kinds of new content on there. Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may watch this podcast. If you are, you're not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Maybe leave us a comment as well. Strickland also has merchandise, which is available on our website. Unfortunately, I'm not wearing any of it, but trust me, it is beautiful. You can find that again on our website, www.thestrick.land. There'll be a link that'll take you to the merchandise store, and you can find all kinds of cool stuff. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, water bottles, coffee mugs, you name it. We've got it. Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to Takes from Robbie Spozos, our newest podcast hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Zach Ladder. You also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL, which you guessed it is our NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen that comes out every week. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits. You can listen on product recordings, merchandise discounts, and you can potentially go host a podcast alongside your show one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. And this will be possible without you. And now this will be possible without Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoffs ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Um, all right. Well, Mitch got hurt, so that happened. Uh, I talked about it plenty on the uh, rundown yesterday, but I guess – so I'll just turn it over to you. Uh, what were your, I guess, initial thoughts when you saw the news and, you know, I guess where your head's at now? Yeah, so, I mean, the initial prognosis said, what, 8 to 12 weeks before reevaluation, And then the secondary prognosis yesterday said out for the whole season. And the rumor, unconfirmed or whatever, by Bondi was that, 
whatever he had also involved a fracture and involved screws. So, you know, as a professional ankle surgery haver, uh, my first question was like eight to 12 weeks is actually not that long. So I kind of figured it was like maybe some some debridement or like very small fractures or janky ligaments, but clearly it was more major than that. Um, and even like I was telling people in our discord, like I didn't have any torn ligaments or fractures and it took me a year. And obviously I'm not rehabbing every day, nor am I a professional athlete, nor do I have good genes for any of this, nor any of the million other qualifiers you want to put forward. But like with that sort of thing, the odds are it's just this thing was going to take longer rather than shorter, which is why even though, you know, some people were saying like, oh, after the all-star break initially in my head, I was kind of like, eh, maybe lucky especially if you consider getting conditioning back, like for the playoff run, maybe. So, um, you know, even though like I was probably a little more pessimistic about the injury, like even the playoff run is still something to aim for this year. Right. And now the door is just closed to that. So that just fucking sucks. And it was really sad to see, his uh, IG story circulating where he was just like, I do everything I'm supposed to do with my body and this shit happens all the time or whatever, or every year. That shit has got to be, I can't, I, I don't, that's so frustrating. Like, I don't think that's, I, I can't relate to that. I don't think the majority of people can relate to that. You have like access to some of the, some of what you hope are the best experts in the world. Um, and you do everything you can for multiple injuries and surgeries and and your body still fails you that just fucking sucks um so there's really just on a personal level like i don't know you can get different doctors you could get different physical therapists you could get different trainers to try different strategies but like the knicks aren't stupid i don't think i don't think this is something like you know working with one shooting doctor versus another or a shot doctor or whatever so it's just kind of one of the shitty things that happens, especially to seven footers, right? Like seven foot people jumping around is just not supposed to exist. So sometimes you can't do much about that. Um, on the Knicks side of things, um, I don't know if it's out yet, but I, I was on lockdown Knicks. I actually shout out to Gavin. And we talked a little bit about it, but like there's there's no replacing Mitch on defense. There's just not. Um, all you can do, the, the trades aside, the biggest factors under the control of the team that are, in my opinion, actually doable are just play your best defenders more minutes, right? Like, and for iHeart, that means Tibbs plays him. Somewhere probably around 30, 32, 33, 34 minutes a game, which is a lot for a guy who's a backup center um, and a big man. 
and play quickly a lot more because he's your best team defender by a large margin. Um, and, you know, you're going to play Brunson and Randall, so you have to offset that because your margin is just so tiny. And to me, that's like it sounds kind of straightforward and you can play around with different schematic stuff, right? Like iHeart and Sims or small ball. You can do some more aggressive schemes. You can try to make up for it by running more and scoring more, which they will. And But in terms of defense, like the idea that, you know, the cliche of like, we all have to make up for Mitch. Like never in the history of the NBA has a defender who's fine been like, ah, oh, I have to, my teammates down. I will now be an all NBA defender, right? Like there's, that just doesn't happen. There's no equivalent to Torian Prince shooting 50% from three for a week and a half on defense. You, you play defense, how you play defense or worse. So what I was telling Gavin on lockdown Knicks was the other thing the Knicks can do is just the, just try not to have bad defense days like I don't even it's not even about going above and beyond it's just like limit your tire fires and that goes for Julius right that goes for Brunson we've talked about it on here is like Julius is not a good defender if you can just give me days where you're like a d plus instead of an f that's huge if Brunson can have days like yesterday or versus Phoenix where he's mostly hitting his rotations he's chasing guys you know he's not tire fire That'd be fantastic. Grimes has had uh, probably his best defensive week of the year to me. Um, there's a lot of players he's matched up very well against. And, like, just do that, right? Like, Dante versus um, the Clippers had probably his worst defensive game of the year. He completely – he couldn't keep anyone in front. And once he got blown by, he didn't do anything to help the players helping him. So just you gotta just avoid games like that if you're the role players. So there's a path forward to like I think there's a path forward to solid defense, um, but you're not gonna have a a top five defense like you did. It's without a trade. So you know if I'm the Knicks moving forward, you just gotta control your tire fires, play your defenders, and then score a lot more. And I think they can do those three things. Um, you know, the guy, guy, the leaders on the team like Brunson and Randall are are scoring really well right now. The role players are scoring pretty well right now. Um, iHeart is not Mitch on the offensive rebounds, but he also gives you some things in terms of passing versus the Nets. The Knicks played probably the fastest pace that they've played by a large margin i haven't checked the numbers on it but both in terms of grabbing and going and hit ahead passes um first quarter alone had by my count five hit ahead passes probably the most we've had in any quarter um so you can give yourself some room to operate on offense um so I, you know i don't think the season is over or anything like that but i do think you'll see some adjustments and, you know, that you just have a much smaller margin for error. And, you know, this is without even getting into like playoff conversations, right? Because not having Mitch changes your playoff identity. Mitch pretty much beat the Cavs by himself. So like you can still beat teams in the East with this team. 
without Mitch, but you can't fuck around and have like Julius Randle stinkers every game or just like tire fire defense games or horrific Tibbs substitution games and shit like that. So it'll be interesting. Um, I'm not a big fan of like doom mongering, so I'm never going to really do that. Um, Don't most of my sadness on this issue is for Mitch personally more than for the Knicks. He's the longest tenured Nick, right? He is. That is correct. Yeah, that's crazy, bro. You don't deserve that shit. That sucks. It does suck for Mitch. Uh, hopefully he makes full recovery and um, he gets back next season and is good to go. Um, obviously, if he gets back earlier, that would be fucking fantastic. But uh, obviously, it's a very serious issue and you should get it, take his time and come back whenever he's damn ready. Um, the Knicks did at least apply for a designated player exception, um, which would be for $7.8 million. Uh you know, I don't need to bore you with the specifics of it, but just know that the Knicks can, uh, they, they basically can acquire, they can take a player into in trade into that exception as long as that player's contract ends, is, is expiring this season. Um, they can also just use that to sign somebody. Um, so we'll see what they do. Obviously, they have trade options as well. Uh, as far as like what they should do, like I, I, pretty much agree with everything you said. What I would say is that I do think they probably need to go acquire big. And I think I I, agree as well. What I'm interested in them doing, you're just not going to be like, you're not going to get the 48 minutes of defense that you had at your disposal when Mitch was healthy with between him and Hartenstein. You're just not going to find that quality of big man um, on the market right now. And I think that what we've seen in Mitch's absence is that, and I thought we saw this last year too, which I, I, if I remember correctly, we talked about it then. And, you know, look, Jericho Sims obviously has his own issues for sure on defense. Um, and Isaiah Hardenstein, as good as he is, I don't think he's the same level of defender, although he's probably a little bit more capable of doing different things than Mitch's. Um, but, the offense looks really good. And very specifically, I think the fact that, yes, Isaiah Hardenstein doesn't, you know, he doesn't space the floor, but like he is outside on the perimeter handling the ball. He is more of somebody who times his offensive rebounds versus somebody who is just down there occupying space and being gigantic. Right. He comes chance. from the outside in for offensive yeah. rebounds and also because. His like where Mitch likes to chill in the dunker spot, iHeart likes to chill like in the elbow so he can just catch it and shoot his like little floater or do his one dribble dunk. Yeah. And so I think I think Randall benefits from that. He has a he has a little bit more space and with how strong he is, how fast he is, and just kind of like how I don't want to say stubborn, but just how like single minded he's been about getting into the paint this year. That's a big difference, and I think the percentages bear it out. I'm pretty sure uh, DJ uh, A. Sulo, he posted something about it even before the game yesterday. I'm, I don't know. I can pull it up uh, in a little bit here, but um, like he, he's benefiting from that space. And the Knicks' offense, I mean, I they didn't really explode yesterday, but like it, 
I, I, it looks more potent and it looks more fluid without Mitch on the floor, especially with Hartenstein in that starting lineup. And the other thing I would say is, you know, and I, I, I want to be real. I'm not trying to paint this as like a fucking. Well, what if the Knicks would benefit from this? I don't know if they would benefit. I, I don't. Th- th- I'd, I'd be very shocked. You don't if know if the it. net result is a benefit, even though the style changes. Is what you're yeah, saying? Not even just that. Like I don't think there's any chance the net result is a benefit because even with like they're probably not going to be able to make a trade for even a backup big until closer to the deadline. There's no way you're going to convince me 48 minutes of Hartenstein, some combination of Todd and Sims and Randall at the center spot is better than 48 minutes of Mitch and Hartenstein. But I do think there's something to be said of like seeing what that starting lineup looks like with a center who is a little bit more versatile, who is way more, able to connect offensively to make quick decisions with the ball in his hand and keep the ball moving side to keep the ball moving side to side with quick decisions facilitate that's obviously not something Mitch does and we know that that starting lineup you know what one of the major criticisms that not just me or you but a lot of people have had is that it can be stagnant it can be iso heavy the ball can stick uh I think Hartenstein really helps with that obviously they're gonna have stiffer tests than the uh the Brooklyn Nets but like they looked pretty good against the Lakers, too. And that was a game, if you remember, they scored 114. They didn't even shoot well from three in that game. And uh, I thought the offense looked really good throughout the game. They just didn't connect on threes. But, like, I missed a lot of gimmies, too. Yeah, there, the there's, yeah there's, there's something to the idea of, like, I mean, I, I talked about this yesterday on the rundown. Somebody had, even before the Mitch news came out, uh, somebody had mentioned, like, hey, like, would it make sense to bring Mitch off the bench and start Hartenstein even when Mitch gets back? And I wasn't, you know, I'm not ready to go there yet, even if, like, well, definitely not that it matters now. You know, we won't have that fucking decision to make this year. But, like, I do think there's something to the idea of, like, look, we, yes, the Knicks found a way to, like, math their way into a top three offense last year and win possession ball and grind it out and whatever. I think there's value to that. That's that's one of those, you know, okay, we've got a we got an ace to play. If we if we have the option, we have that card to play, right? But like we know, Tibbs doesn't. This is one of his weaknesses as a coach. He doesn't develop pivots, and I think we've talked about this previously. Like a pivot would be like, okay, maybe this is too stagnant. Maybe this isn't working. Let's throw Hartenstein in quicker and see what happens. Um, he's gonna have that opportunity now. I, I think Hartenstein's gonna play so well that even when Jericho Sims comes back, there's no way that Tibbs is gonna be able to do like the whole fucking you know let me just start sims for no fucking reason thing yeah i'm so, glad that stupid experiment is going to be done through yeah. no fault of tibbs yeah yeah through no credit to tibbs i think is more of the appropriate yeah thing. um but like i think there's a ceiling or maybe not a ceiling is the wrong word but there's there's just certain limitations to that and there are certain teams that we've seen take that away and punish the knicks for it i don't think it's a coincidence that you know, people criticized Mitch in that Miami series last year, and I thought that was a little bit overblown. But, like, they did take him away in that series. He was less effective than he was against Cleveland, right? Because they're a better coach. And quite frankly, they're a tougher team than Cleveland is, right? Like, they're just a tougher team. So they were able to take that away, and that hurt the Knicks' offense tremendously. They didn't benefit from the extra possessions they were getting in the Cavs series. Um, we, I think this year we've seen this against both Boston and Milwaukee at times, where those teams have been able to neutralize Mitch on the glass to a larger extent. And therefore the Knicks are not benefiting from the extra possession theory or, you know, that they generally get for Mitch. 
So when you don't get extra possessions, what do you do? You have to be more efficient offensively with your shots. And how do you do that, right? You need more players that are more offensively skillful. And I think Hartenstein definitely is. And so what I'm interested to see is like, okay, maybe the the defense takes a hit, but like, can the offense stay the same? And if the offense can stay the same, or maybe it improves, like the their offensive rating, that starting lineup, basically those like Brunson, Randall with Hartenstein, I think last year their offensive rating was something like 120 or something when he was on the floor with them. Um, it like, can also improve for other like concurrent reasons on top of that, right? Like Brunson's finally shooting well from two. And you mentioned like Julius is finally, he finally has his game plan like ironed out now for most possessions. He, he knows what kind of player he's going to be this year. Dante is just being Dante, right? And like he is getting comfortable not just with the threes, but like when to put it on the deck and shit like that. Quick is getting comfortable. Like there's just a lot of things that, you know, it's a, it's a long season. The players are getting comfortable. And then when you add in like the new wrinkles of iHeart's passing, and then what I hope is the. I hope the running versus Brooklyn wasn't an accident um, and pushing the pace because that was, I mean, we, we talk about this shit every season, right? Like the Knicks are good in transition, but they don't get in transition. And then this year, this year they got, they've gotten in transition more, but that's chiefly because of turnovers. That's really because of getting more steals. Um, it's not pushing on makes and misses. But that's what I saw versus Brooklyn. So if we get more of that, like, it's yeah, going mean, to result in a couple more, like, weird, dumb passes and stuff like that. But on the net, it'll be more points, I think. Well, I, it also is, like, they can play fast without Mitch. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I love Mitch. Mitch is great. It's obvious to me that, like, they part of the pace is tied to him. Like, he can't get up and down the floor like that. He's not built for that He's a big shit. boy. Yeah, he's not built for that boy. And you look, he's at and you want to wait for him to get to be in place to get rebounds and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's the whole too. point of having and, him. And he's also had lower body injuries, so like asking him to to do that is not really viable. So part of the pace is about him, and they've definitely pushed the pace more without him. I think Hartenstein. I mean, it's kind of crazy how well he moves on his size, um, but like he's definitely more capable of that. And not just that, not not even just because he can get up and down because he can get a rebound and he can throw an outlet pass sometimes a little bit too ambitiously or sometimes weirdly stupidly, but he's definitely more capable of, you know, okay, he gets the rebound and you'll see Brunson. He doesn't need to check to the ball to go get it. Right. He can just start leaking out onto the, onto the wing and all of a sudden, all right, now we're going. So I think that's a big deal. And I, I just think like, you know, I'm not, we talked last year, last summer about like, would it make sense to trade for Porzingis because, Maybe there's a cap on like what you're going to be able to do ultimately offensively with Mitch at the five, as long as Julius, and especially like very specifically Julius more so than Brunson is one of your key offensive kind of like guys. And, you know, look, Mitch played at such a level this year that I kind of just didn't feel that conversation was worth constantly harping on. Um, but, you know, now with him out, like obviously Hartenstein is not Porzingis, but there is more space. And it can at least give you an idea of like, okay, well, maybe like this is a way for us to evolve this team the next step, right? Like it, what what is this team going to look for? Like what are they, what are we building towards? What do we want it to look, look like 
beyond 2023, 24, what do we think will help take this to the next level? And if they, if they want to continue to build with Julius in mind, um, I, I've, all, I've kind of settled on the idea of like, if that's the idea, then you need to prioritize more spacing around him. You have to. Uh, and that will benefit Brunson too, for sure. So like Mitch, bless his heart, like is not spacing anything ever. So it like offensively to me is you're not going to find a big that can do anything close to what Mitch does defensively right now. I do think like, I, I know that Jer- Jeremy and me talked about this a little bit yesterday on the timeline, but he was, he posited Drummond. I, first of all, I don't think the Bulls are going to trade Drummond. He's in their rotation. They're playing really well since they got rid of the franchise destroyer, uh, or not got rid of him, but since the franchise destroyer got hurt, uh, Zach Levine, they've gone seven and three since then. They've had some impressive quick wins. Quick tangent. Did you, did you see about like the Kobe White voting? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. He bro- they broke the single day All Star votes record. The Bulls fans, good, good for, for Kobe them. White. Good for them. Um, dumbest fan base in the world. Or not? No, it's not, <laughs> not, not sure. We played the dumbest fan base in the world yesterday. Um, but like, I'm sorry. Like the Drummond thing. Like to me, I get it. If you're just like, no, we just want to. We want to win the possession battle. We want to do what we do and whatever you kind of have an opportunity here to like take a look at something that you weren't going to. And I get that. Like he's not the type of big they've had at the five, but like, I think Kelly Olenek is a lot more. I, I would much rather them do that because I think if you're going for a backup big one, he's an expiring contract. So who cares? If he sucks, he sucks. He's not going to run you too much in an asset. Even Danny Ainge isn't going to get like Danny Ainge. Get like personal. Danny Ainge gave away Boyan Bogdanovich for fucking Kelly Olynyk. So we don't need to pretend that like every single guy he trades, he's expecting a king's ransom for it. Um, and there's a pretty big difference between like trading. Danny Rudy knows Gobert. where his bread is buttered, and it's not with Kelly maximizing Olenek. the Kelly Olynyk returns. <laughs> right. Like I just think that Kelly Olynyk gives you like he's a way more skilled player with the ball right like he's a good passer he can obviously spread the floor he has played on teams he, he has serious playoff experience far more than andre fucking drummond um he, he like he he just I hate i hate saying this he knows how to play uh but like i think that would benefit this team so much more like there are scenarios like long term you mean yeah well just short term like if you're if you ask me who I wanted in 2023 24 between Kelly Olynyk and Andre Drummond give me Kelly Olynyk dude like I, I I don't care about fucking Andre Drummond get the fuck out of my face Andre Drummond um <laughs> but like Kelly Olynyk is yes he gives you he gives you maybe a look into like what this could be right what could this team with you know your, let's say your four shot creators in terms of Brunson Barrett Randall quickly what could they look like when the 48 minutes of center are much less consistently like one way and very little spacing and it's never a five out look like we've never had a five out look in since fucking we traded porzingis that's it like that's the last time we had a center that luke cornet erasure i don't know what year that was <laughs> yeah that was 28 28- uh, yeah so sure yes i am erasing luke cornet for mystery uh but like there's value to that and i just think like 
that's that's way more valuable to me. And I like this team. We saw this last year. Like, say whatever you want about the playoffs or whatever, but in the regular season, this team can fucking score. And like, you're way more likely to amplify like, like okay. So we had, we had came into the season with these are nine rotation guys, right? So obviously now Mitch is out for the season. You're way more likely to amplify your and and maximize your remaining eight rotation guys by getting a guy like Kelly Olynyk and becoming some like holy shit this team is just like lighting the floor up for 48 minutes a night versus like like I, I don't to me that's just a superior option than a guy like Drummond or you know I, I don't know fucking I think Fred Katz actually had he suggested somebody like Xavier Tillman which I wish. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's not going to be in the rotation now. He's not been in the rotation now, basically. Um, really? Who's yeah. the backup center? Bismack. I think they've been playing like Aldama, weirdly. It's oh, they just go small. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, Tillman. He's on. He's on last the last contract. <laughs> but like, yeah. Like, oh shit! I didn't even realize that. Yeah. yeah. So like, like I mean, I get that. Like Nick Richter is another guy I like. I suggested him last night. Like, I actually wouldn't mind getting him if you're going to go that route. But I again, like you, you have an opportunity now to do a thing that you weren't going to have the opportunity for, and I don't think like do you like like just if I had a gun to your head and you're, I was like, do you think there's any chance that there's some huge material difference if we went for Kelly Olynyk instead of Andre Drummond? Like, would you be like, oh my god, no, Andre Drummond would be so much better for us? Not so much better, although I, I am a little more on the fence about it, just because like. Less because of the defense, because I don't think Andre Drummond is like some lockup rim protector. Yeah, I, or... I don't care what his DEPM is, bro. Like, yeah, I... it's more, it's more the rebounding that I worry about, just because like I know Julius and and the other guys, and they're not the best at boxing out. They just try to mash people using their athleticism and strength. And so Olympic's uh, not a great rebounder, but he's not a bad. He's little. He's by a he's lot solid. of metrics. No, he by a lot. Like if you look at like B-ball ethics the last two three years, he's like among the worst rebounders in the NBA. See, EPM likes him on the glass. They have him seventy eighth percentile offensive rebound and eighty second percentile defensive rebound percentage. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.